Hi, and welcome back to another brand new episode of Learning As I Go Series 2, Can You Believe It? And today, I'm joined by a live audience and an incredible guest. This guest is one of the OGs of the reality world, and she's been around for years, but in a good way. She's absolutely smashed the game. But one thing that she's massively taught me and so many other people is that it's okay to be yourself. In a world where we're quick to be judged and a world where we feel like we have to live up to expectations, this guest is unapologetically herself and that shines through in everything that she does. So please welcome, without any further ado, Vicky Patterson. First of all, guys, a massive welcome to all of you lot. This is um, a special moment for me. This is my second ever live podcast, and I never imagined when I first launched Learn As I Go just a few months ago that I'd be sat here now in front of you amazing people, so it really does mean a lot to me. And this podcast for me is just all about self-development. I like to bring on people who have had an impact on my life, whether it be my business coach, I also want to bring on people who have helped me in my journey or inspired me as well. And this lady right here, let's get it right, is reality royalty. Like if you forget, if you think about it, she's one of the first ever reality stars. And this whole world now has sort of pivoted towards that. She's broken down all the sort of preconceptions of, that people have of reality stars. She's she also won the jungle, right? That's the biggest show on television. <laughs> Uh, and not only that, she's just been such a good friend to me. Believe it or not, before I even did Love Island, before I was anyone or anything, she treated me like one of her closest friends. So anyway, Vicky Patterson, guys. That's so nice. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, a very nice introduction. Do you know what? Let's just go back to the beginning how we met. And it is pretty crazy because sometimes people think, oh, reality star friends, they know each other. Like, Vicky was close to me before I did any shows or anything like that. I was a party boy in Manchester. I used to come down to my nights. And Vicky used to just, like, come down for free. You used to have to pay people to come down and stuff like that. I didn't realise other people were getting paid, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but Vicky always treated me. And you know what? That's the, that's the thing I want to talk about today, is that you treat everybody so well and so you're so kind. And I know that I can throw you in a room before and leave you here and everybody's going to walk away and go, oh, I just love Vicky. And... And for me, it comes back to being a little bit of a people pleaser. Yeah. And I want to talk about because I know I am as well. Do you think you are a people pleaser? And where does that come from? Oh, like 110%. There's no question about it. And I do think, um, like, it's lovely to hear you speak like that about me, you mm. know, and say, like, oh, everyone likes you when they meet you and stuff like that. Because that, to me, is, like, music to my ears. But also being a people pleaser, like, it, you can do it to your detriment, you know? And I do think as I get older... Like I'm having to sort of redefine some healthy boundaries for myself and realise that, yes, I absolutely want to be liked. Mm. Like I want all your friends to like us. Like I want your mum to like us. I want everyone to think like she's really nice and she made me feel special because that's important. Being a good person is important. But I don't want me to want people to like me to the point where I'm exhausted, where I'm not putting myself first because 
that's unhealthy. Mm. So there's definitely like a balance and I'm working on that at the moment. And that's something I can really relate to you as well because I think I'm a massive people pleaser because yeah. it goes back to being a promoter and Brad will know he's in the audience. You have, to, you have to have people love you in order for them to come to your night, in order for you to get paid. And therefore, even if you don't like someone, you'd much rather them still come in. And, and it goes back to, and even in PR, like in PR, you need everybody to love you yeah. in order to want to work with you. Also, I know that you talk about this a lot, like coming from Geordie Shaw and being sort of typecast as a certain type of person, did you want to prove them wrong that when they did meet you, that you weren't like that? Really good question. Like, I think everyone had this preconceived notion about who I was going to be. And like, don't get us wrong, I absolutely could be at times that person from Geordie Shaw. But for the vast majority of the time, like I wasn't that caricature of myself. I was quite nice, I was quite measured, I was compassionate, I was kind, I was fun, I was a good friend, but nobody wants to sit around and watch that really. When I left Jodie Shaw and was given the opportunity to show people like a different side of us, it was a real goal of mine to to like flip the script, to have to prove everybody wrong, you know? Like when I went in the jungle, do you know nobody wanted me in? Like, there might be a couple of people in here who think, well, I always wanted you It's in. a massive thing, actually, because even now, I always say, for example, have you noticed the jungle? They don't touch Love Island. They did start to touch Tower and stuff, but to go in from, like, a Geordie Shaw background is huge to get onto that show. It was it was a massive deal, and I remember, like, obviously when you're in there, you can't really see what everyone's saying about you on social media and stuff, but I was told afterwards that, like, Twitter, which was the chosen medium at the time, just kicked off, like, get her out, we don't want her in, she's a scumbag, blah, 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 this, that, and the other... Obviously, like, I don't, I, I get it. The jungles is like big British institution and people are precious about it. They're protective. But I don't know what everyone thought I was going to do if they thought I was just going to go in there and like slut drop and punch a kangaroo or something. <laughs> like, obviously, that was never my intention. But anyway, people didn't want us in there. They thought I was going to be that lost, angry, misguided version of myself that they'd saw on TV. And within 24 hours, I changed everybody's mind. And I was the favourite to win. And I stayed that way till the end when I won it. Do you know, do you know what? Let me flip the script on that as well, because one thing I noticed about you as well, you, talk, you talked about in your book that you know that you're intelligent and, and not in a like sort of big-headed way, but <laughs> I, I know I kind of do as well because being intelligent, you, you're kind of overthinking a lot all the time. Mm. But also you want to be the best at whatever you do. You're a high achiever, right? So let's get it right. You went into a reality show and it's the same with me when I went to do partying. I to, if I was going to do something, I wanted to be the best at it. Yeah. So it's the same with you. You went to reality star, you went, right, what do I need to be to be the ultimate Geordie Shaw cast member? So you went in there and ticked all these boxes and, and then obviously it came back to bite you in the ass a little bit. But same with me, like, <laughs> I wanted to be the ultimate party boy, so I was staying out the latest, yeah. drinking the most and everything else. In a way, it's, it's not really surprising that you went down that route. And, but at the same time, as you talked about it, in your 20s, you are very impressionable, aren't you? Yeah. And you kind of, you will sort of lose your way in what you are in order to please everybody else. Did you find that? Absolutely. Like, I have this saying now, and it's definitely not mine. I've made that sound like I've come up with it. But it's that you should never sacrifice respect for attention. But it's dead easy to do when you're young. Because when you're younger, especially like late teens, early 20s, it means everything to you for like your friends to like you. It means everything to you that like people you don't even know like you, you know. And I completely sacrificed what I knew was right 
who I knew I wanted to be eventually for just attention in the moment. And whether that be from fellas, whether that be from the sort of TV producers, whether that be from people watching at home, I was trying to be what I thought they wanted rather than what I wanted to be. And like since leaving Geordie Shaw almost, almost like eight, nine years ago or something, I've had to spend the entire time clawing that back, trying to be this new, really evolved super grown version of myself so people forget who I compromised and became and that's been like a difficult journey a very worthwhile one but a difficult journey yeah it's difficult because sort of breaking away from what people expect you to be it's like I remember when I but you've done it I have done it yeah but I, I also know that when I'm around my old clique sometimes it's oh, yeah. very easy to fall back into that and I don't really know if I'm honest like, for example, people say to me, why are you still single and stuff? I said, I'll be honest with you, right, for about eight years, nine years in my 20s, I didn't really know who I was. Yeah. So now, this is this person who I am now, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it out and, and, like, who I am, and that's when I know I can meet someone because I am still a little bit confused because, like, am I the Scottish special or am I this entrepreneurial yeah. wellness guy? And I'm trying to be somewhere in the middle. I want to be a, a little bit of balance. It probably is that you're a little bit of both at the moment, you know, and, like, mm. don't put so much pressure on yourself to have it all figured out. But that's what I love about you. Like, you are just so, like, especially on social media and stuff like that. Like, for example, I felt a bit of a pressure, when, especially with Food Thoughts when I first started it, that, and when I did go sober and then I'm not sober anymore, with you, you've always just, like, you at a wellness, another wellness festival the weekend. You're walking in and I saw you eating a massive kebab. kebab. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds worse than it was. It was more like a Greek souvaki. <laughs> I've delicious. literally just had one. That is so weird. They're good, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like you show all sides and you're not scared to say, I love having a bit of a bender every now and then and it's okay. Whereas with me sometimes, I'm a little bit like, is that acceptable? Like, And I think it is like, you just got to be completely confident with who you are and you do that as well like you you post anything now on social media like to the point where it's like I think transparency is important right like social media will chew you up and spit you out if you are not happy with who you are and it's really difficult because we're conditioned to believe we're not good enough and all social media does is perpetuate that culture how many times have you been feeling good about yourself in the morning and logged on and seen someone with a better body than you or a supposed better body than you seen someone who's got three kids and they're your age seen someone who's got married seen someone who's got the job you wanted these things they slowly drip feed into your mind and before you know it you feel insignificant inadequate and not good enough and the thing is it's not real. Mm. None of it is real. These pictures are edited. That life was carefully curated. You're seeing a snapshot of someone's reality, not the whole day. So I decided, rather than add fuel to that fire and make myself feel shit about myself as well, that I was going to be the change I wanted to see. Mm. So you will see me eating a kebab on social media because they're delicious. <laughs> and you will see me hungover because sometimes I am. And you will see me with my little period belly hanging over my necks because that is human and that is who I am. And when I was able to like let that veil down and be the authentic version of me, I became really, really happy. And I think you need to stop being so hard yeah. on yourself, Petal. 100%. <laughs> This I want to say period belly. This is how she talked. Honestly, me and Vicky had the same conversation in a coffee shop not long ago. But I've got a question for you as well, because I know I saw a quote somewhere that said that you wanted to be rich, not famous. And I'll be honest, when people say to me, like, do you like being famous or well-known? Like, I'll be honest with you, like, I love it. Like, there's no, it's weird. If someone stops me in the street and says, can I have a picture? I love that moment. And I think it might come back to me because I was, people don't really know this, but I wasn't famous till I was 27. I was always Adam and Ryan's brothers. Yeah. So when anyone stopped for a picture, I'd be the person who stopped and held out. Do you know what I mean? Can you, 
Like literally. So I knew what it was like to be on the other side of that. So for me, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I love being famous. But for you, do you like it or not? Your obviously situation is really different. Yeah. And I think had I come, been a product of that, like I might have been hungry for some of that as well. But for me, my first experience with fame was Geordie Shaw. And it was really toxic. Like we didn't burst onto the scenes and get given like brand deals and invites to fancy parties like it was the polar opposite we were car crash and it was widely acknowledged that we were and in certain circles you know if you were 16 to 24 you might have felt more funny or whatever but predominantly people look down their nose at we so my experience with it wasn't nice can I just dive in there quick because I'm really interested in this is in my head so when you first started Geordie Shaw you said the brand deals and that weren't there originally because they probably weren't. So how I was skinned. Yeah, <laughs> I was skinned for so long. So how many years? That's a good point. So how many years in did it start becoming monetizable? So it was easier for the boys because the boys PAs. did pay years straight away. Like everybody wanted to get drunk with guys. Like everybody wanted. Guys made a fortune. Yeah, yeah. I smashed it. <laughs> Skinny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lola. Um, yeah, so he did, they, the boys did really well, you know, and they were a product of sort of the nature of our beast, you know. Mm. But the girls, like, you've got to think there was Made in Chelsea, impossibly gorgeous, naturally waif-like in this escapism life, you know. Everybody wanted them in their dresses. Everyone wanted them promoting their, like, fake tan. Then you had The Only Way is Essex. Mm. Always had their makeup done, always looking immaculate. Again, like a marketer's dream. Then you had George. <laughs> <laughs> And we were drunk and we were falling out of nightclubs and our hair extensions didn't really match our hair. <laughs> there were, you know, we were just young and daft and not polished, not polished in the slightest. So for me to, in fact, MTV had to put us on a cash retainer because we'd all given up our jobs to do this and we're making no money. I bet it was nothing as well, wasn't it? Do you know what? I think they started paying with about £1,000 a month right, okay. and I felt like it was a fortune and I was very, very happy with that. It was a long time before I started to see real money come from what I felt like, in my opinion, was giving an awful lot of myself. Um, so going back to the question then, if someone said to you today, you could be really wealthy and disappear and sit on a, a tropical island money. with no fame, like, would you happily trade that? Money every time. Yeah. And I don't care what that makes me sound like, by the way. So <laughs> I'm all. if you are judgmental about that, that's absolutely fine. We've all got, like, different journeys. The only downside of my lovely job and getting to meet lovely people like you and doing lovely things like this is, like, everyone's got an opinion of me. And, like, it might be... Some of you might be... It might be really nice, you know? People might think, oh, she's quite funny, she's quite kind, like, I like her book. But there's always going to be someone with a negative opinion, you know? And I really struggle with that because... I am still a people pleaser. So if someone told me I could just be like one of these made in Chelsea lot whose dad owns like McVitie's and I could sit on a tropical <laughs> island somewhere, I would not be on the telly. And I'm fine with that. Like I've always just wanted to be rich. Are you like me? Like cause literally, I'll, <laughs> me and Adam talk about this a lot. Like we'll get so many nice comments on, on a picture and everything oh, else, yeah. any DMs. And literally I'll scroll to find a negative one <laughs> and I'll pick up on that and that will kill me off for the rest of the day. Are you like that? It's self, it's like a form of yeah, self-harm. And it's absolutely became like, it's such the culture we're in but like I will scroll through and read past all these lovely comments like love your hair you and her kind of couple goals oh my god Milo's so lush and I will wait for the one prick who says like you know oh you're that girl off Geordie Shaw who did x y and z yeah. and it's so toxic and I've got no idea about the psychology of why we do it but Baz Luhrmann's got this song have you heard um wear sunscreen have you guys heard that? Yeah. Oh. oh my God, I start most of my days with it. It's absolutely beautiful. And he basically says in it, 
keep your love letters but throw away your bills this is a message we need to apply to everyday life like those lovely comments you get from people who've taken time out their day to write something nice to you like remember those Mm. write back to those people follow them say thank you whatever the ones who are trying to bring you down they're your bills throw them away Mm. and it's weird how sometimes messages can come from like for example um I've had so many nice comments about this um, festival of everyone and people coming in. And today, like, he's actually, you know, Umar Kamani. Yeah. He sent me a little message going, just seeing what you're doing at Chester Oaks. Um, it looks like you're doing a great job. And I swear to God, it was like, do you know, from someone, like, sometimes it's your closest people. Yeah. That that means the, the most. And even though I love all my followers and everything else, um, sometimes that, I don't know, that positivity can come from different places. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I think especially with someone like Umar who... You can look up to him, you know, he's been he's made something himself very successful. Like something like that's a big accolade from someone like him. I just think love is love, like wherever it comes from. Um, should we should be really grateful. But you mentioned like, for example, um fourteen million people on the jungle voted for you and you, it didn't come from anyone else, it was from the public and that mm-hmm. and you said I've seen that you um said before that you're always kind of chasing that that 14 million people love. Oh like, god. Honestly. How do you do that on a day? How do you how do you match that high? You can't. You can't. Like if you're like so I'm a sort of type A personality. Like I want to be successful. I want to be the best. Once I've achieved something, whether it's a new house, whether it was a new book, whether it was a new TV show, I've all, I'm already on to the next in my head. Yeah, I don't take, don't take a second to stop. I need the next because I know there's somebody else who is probably just as funny as me, just as kind as me, just as good as me, who is waiting to step into my shoes and do it. So I keep going. But in terms of the jungle, I've had to make me peace over the years with the fact that actually those type of highs are probably once in a lifetime Mm. and even though there might be something that's just as amazing luckily for me now me personal life is starting to get quite good as well because that was straight for so long (laughs) (laughs) but now it's it's catching up so things like getting engaged to Erkan super lovely like one day I hope to be a mother like I'm imagining that feeling will top it you've just got to I think reevaluate what success is and what happiness is and what's going to give you that same high because yeah 14 million people probably aren't going to vote for me again you know I can take that on the chin I think you have to accept success looks different as you get older yeah and that's a good point because last time we caught up you said like I was talking about like do I aim for perfection when it comes to girls and everything else and you said you were very much the same like when you first sort of started off your career you thought you needed to have like a a football a boyfriend or someone really wealthy you said you've been out with a few guys you you, you literally had it all but when you went out with them it just made you feel like shit yeah I didn't know where you were going to go with that I I thought he was going to divulge something a bit too much (laughs) but then and I hope you don't mind me saying this but you said with Erkan Erkan you said everything's just very much more I don't it's, it's more of a simple life, right? Yeah. In terms of, and it's not like sort of that, I don't know, um, high profile sort of glitz and glamour oh, no. relationship that you probably thought you needed. Yeah. But you're a lot more happier now. No, you're so bang on. Like, I definitely was under the impression that I was loud and confident and wanted the world and I wanted it yesterday. So if I was going to have a boyfriend or a partner, someone to share my life with, they were going to have to be exactly the same mindset. But actually, when I've gone out with fellas like that, we just ended up competing, you know? And it was a bit toxic and a bit torturous. And heaven forbid you do better than a fella as well when they've got that mindset. Oh, (laughs) don't even get it started. So when I met Erkan, I was like he's quieter, he's calmer, like, 
I, I didn't think it was going to work for those reasons, you know. I thought, how's he going to handle me when I've had a drink? I'm just and laughing because I just watched the latest TikTok where you're, like, you're screaming at him. <laughs> 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 it's just because like, I'm on my period. <laughs> but no, he's like, it I just all started to make sense, really. And this is only really recently because we've been together, what, three and a half years? So I realised, like, actually, you don't need someone exactly like you who's going to be a million miles an hour and needs to be really successful and really famous and have it all figured out. Actually, what you need is someone who's going to be everything you're not, who's going to provide things that you're missing. I'm not calm. I'm not calm. I'm chaotic. I'm chaos. I'm a human chaos. Um, my default setting is not to naturally be really kind, and I hate saying that out loud. It makes us upset. I wish I was naturally kinder. I'm actually quite selfish, and Erkan is the polar opposite. He wakes up every day and wants to know how to make me happy, how to make his family happy, and that in turn is making me happier, mm. making me kinder, making me more patient. He is making me better, and he's everything I didn't think I knew I needed or wanted, but everything that I did. Do you know what? It's so weird. I've got that goosebumps there, because honestly, me and you, are, um, I feel like so similar. Everything you said then, like, if you ask my mum now, like, I know I'm a good person, but, like, I can be so kind to everyone on social media. I, I go through all my DMs, I reply to everyone, but sometimes you see me in the street or something, like, if I'm getting scared, I, I, I lose my temper because I'm so... And it's not because I'm mean to be, it's because I'm 100 miles an hour. And, it and takes, also because you're human. Yeah, but also, it's like even with Vicky, like, so I was sat... Um, Brooke Vincent's birthday, and I mentioned this, right? No one have lied. Vicky's like, yeah, Scott, I'm taking a step back. I'd love to be here. I've got a hand to do I'm going to take a step back. I've got back my boundaries now, and this and that. Two days later, she messaged me going, I can't stop thinking about the third. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like, and I was like, honestly, I'd love you to be there. It'd be amazing. But it's like, but, but that's that working mentality. She's like, I'm going to miss an opportunity here. Like, I should be there. And, and obviously, she's here. And then, but I know Vicky very well. Like, in the build up this, I know, like, not to straight, like, not to straight. Like, for example, we, couldn't, we didn't have any books till yesterday. <laughs> Brilliant. Nobody told me that. <laughs> We didn't tell her that, so we literally had books coming all the way from the anyway, but I didn't tell you because like, I'm not stressed out in any way. Oh, but, yeah. but at the same time is, I know that when you say you're not kind of, and I was like, you're here now to, like, to support me and you've always done that as well. And I think sometimes you are kind of over analytical of yourself a little bit and don't give yourself the credit you do, but that comes down to being like an overthinker as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're all the harshest critic, aren't we? Like we've all got that inner critic in our head that's telling we're not good enough or, you know, even the worst things you think about yourself when it's late at night and you can't sleep like we all have that voice mm. that quite destructive in our monologue and I suppose it it's what can either destroy you or push you to be better for me like it does a bit of both it does a bit of both sometimes at night it stops us sleeping but then other times like it does push me to make sure you're supporting your friends Make sure you're checking on your mates. Make sure, like, you're being gracious and kind to the people who got you where they got you, you know? So I wouldn't change my mind, and I wouldn't change who I am, but I'm very, very aware of people who these things come naturally to. So when I spot someone like Erkan, you know, or someone like, I actually think your brother Adam is like this, like, just naturally, (laughs) actually fucking kind (laughs) like you think god you're a good person and so i think like when you're looking for your partner scott not that i'm saying you should do it now i think do you have your fun whatever but i think look for qualities you wish you had more of in yourself yeah such a good point um i think for me obviously and i think you'd be the same that i'm always looking for balance yeah um, and everything I do and I, I was sat there with my therapist the other week and I was basically right so guys I've had a really productive day today I know I've smashed everything but I'm still not finished what I need to do okay. right so what should because he's telling me all the time just like take, find that balance I went well yeah but 
I want to be one percent. Well, I want that success. So I know really I should go home now and carry on working till a certain time at night. Mm-hmm. And he said, "But why do you want to be one percent? Well, what do you want?" I said, "Why do you want all the million pounds in the world? Like what, what's what's driving that?" So for you, when you're you're hustling and, and you do not making all these things happen, what is it like that drives you, and what is it you're looking for? Um, so there's a couple of things. So like, I've I've had nothing. Mm. Like I've known what it was like to have next and out, you know, and. I don't want to feel like that again. And I'm aware that the industry I'm in is incredibly precarious. I can be like everybody's favourite person one month and then like be an absolute zero the next. So I know I have to make hay while the sun shines in that respect. But the second reason is just I really want to look after my mum. Like, she's the nicest woman, and she's done so well by me, and, like, she doesn't ask for much. So if I could, like, just have this have this security that I know that my mum, my sister, my beautiful little niece, everybody will always be looked after, then that's all I want. It used to be mm-hmm. your mentality, Scott. Like, I, I used to want to be the best. Mm-hmm. Always be the best. Better than everybody, but what the hell does that even look like? And is that going to bring you happiness when you get there? Because there's always going to be someone better. Mm-hmm. So now, like... It's sort of more, cont- I'm working towards contentment. Mm. I'm working towards being able to know that if my sister rings me about anything, whether it's wanting a new floor for the kitchen or like needing a holiday, I want to know I can look after her mm. and the same for me, ma'am. So that's what I work for. Yeah, I think that's the same with me now. Like I'm really trying to create like generational wealth now with it, with it, within the family. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, so for example, when I'm 100 miles now on my business all the time, I'm thinking about the bigger picture and stuff like that. But it means that I don't see my mum as often as I'd like to. And it means I don't see my brothers who live around the corner as much as I'd like to. So I'm a little bit torn all the time between what's the right and wrong answer. Do you know what I mean? Because like you yeah. said, in order to get to that point, you do have to make sacrifices. But again, it just comes back to balancing little moments. And but it's, I mean, your therapist's absolutely got it right. It's like balance, isn't it? And I think what we view as success has changed loads over the years. Like, I mean, I'm not a boy and I don't drive. So I feel like my my definition of success is slightly skewed. But I'm assuming for boys, it used to be like fast cars and like, you know, loads of houses and fancy holidays and all the rest of it. Like, I actually think success now looks like going to sleep at night you know, at a decent hour. I think it is being happy with your life, being surrounded by nice people. It is having, yes, like essentially a bit of disposable income, but it's not about living like an ostentatious life. I think that stuff is gross and I think we're all sort of coming to terms with it. Mm. We should strive for contentment and I genuinely believe that that is the new success. Mm. I think security is a big thing for me. Oh yeah, God. That's one thing I I think with financial goals, it's just that security. Yeah, and I think that's natural. Like everybody want that must go like way back to like caveman days. That mm. like wanting to feel safe. It's just that looks different now. It used to be like having a the, a club big enough to scare off a woolly mammoth, but now it's probably just having a couple of zeros in the bank. There we go. So we are at a wellness festival, um, and obviously. I know all your life, your sort of approach to wellness has been different. So you first started off when you talked about doing your DVDs and it was all about counting calories. It made me laugh. I was I'm reading your book where you talked about when you go to a, <laughs> you go to the bar and you'd order a vodka, lime and soda. And if and I was like, I'm, we've all been like this, but if you put lime cordial in over fresh lime. Oh God, all hell would break yeah. loose. <laughs> so you've gone from being really sort of restrictive like that mm. to now where obviously you have a balanced approach. Like, So what, what has changed and what, how is your approach to wellness now? So, like, exactly like you say, I think um, what led me to do the fitness DVD was sort of getting, like, 
really unhealthy, you know. I was in a toxic relationship, didn't feel loved, I gained loads of weight. And then I was in the public eye as well, so everyone had this opinion of us and everyone had an opinion on my body, which just led us to be, like, really insecure. So I then started the fitness DVD journey and I got really skinny. Like, I became a little bit obsessed with it all, which is dead easy to do, you know? Um, And don't get me wrong, like, I wasn't unhealthily small, but I was a bit obsessed I felt like I had a very big head. <laughs> can, you, can anyone remember when I had a very big head? It's just not like men, I didn't love myself. I just mean my head looked big. And I did. You can. You know. You're laughing because you remember when I had a big head. Oh, <laughs> I had this. <laughs> I had this huge head. <laughs> and. Um, oh no! Why are you laughing so much? Oh my god. Um. And yeah, you're right, I am. Um... No, but the reason why I'm laughing is because, say, for example, if I went on steroids and I, I went massive bit, yeah. my legs would not change. Yeah. <laughs> so I would look like, what's it called, Spongebob. Oh. <laughs> like, literally. Is that what's in your head? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I went from being b- too, too big for my frame and not feeling comfortable and not feeling good about myself and losing elements of my personality that I loved you know like I like being quite confident I like being chatty but when I didn't like my body I felt like it was harder to just be me and then when I got really skinny like I was I was a nutcase you know like I would count how many blueberries I put on my porridge in the morning I couldn't go out for a meal for fear that they'd put something in the sauce other than that was on the menu I was insane um and again yeah lime cordial over fresh lime mental so living both of these extremes didn't bring me peace. They didn't bring us happiness. You can imagine how angry I was after working for like a year straight to get to this size six and being and completely imagining in my head that when I got to this size, all my problems would just go away and I'd be dead happy and I still wasn't happy. I was fuming. I was fuming. So and it took us a couple of years to get this way. I'm 34 now and I was probably about 28 when I did my fitness DVD. So it took us a couple of years to work out, well, if neither extremes brought me happiness happiness must lie somewhere in the middle so I'm not a size six being a size six did not make me happy I'm not judging people who are if that's what brings you ha- happiness if that's your genetics good for you hon but it didn't bring me peace being bigger didn't bring me peace either being about a size 10 loving cheese <laughs> and like yeah, loving cheese and also like loving a good dog walk or like loving a Pilates class but like also loving a bottle of wine that's what brings me peace. So it just made sense. It was a natural progression, realising neither extreme was where my heart, la- like, you would sing. But, like, in the middle, it does. Yeah, it's like happiness. Sometimes we put it on the other side of a goal. So I did my body transformation not long ago. You look great. I got there, and it was amazing. I had all this like, tension and everything else, and I felt amazing. But then it was almost like that. Was it? Did they call it the, um, the Olympian sort of... Um, I don't know, it's like a basically where you get to a, a, your gold medal and then you, you feel like, what's next? And I felt a little bit like that. And I feel like the biggest learning, I've got, and even now it's like, I'm getting frustrated. I speak to my PT going, I don't look like I'm ready for a shoot. I'm training every day. And he's like, Scott, it's not achievable to yeah. be shoot ready every single day. Nobody looks like that. Thank you. So for me now, it's like really getting to the point where I need to be happy with myself day to day. And then I think the most important thing is you've got to create a lifestyle where you enjoy it day to day and stop putting your happiness I don't have a size of like big goals and stuff like that and appreciating things like, t- like I'm going to have to take a moment after today to realise what's happened this weekend because like you said, it's like, I'll go, right, what's the next big goal? Yeah. What's the next one after that? Where 
I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to say to Eden, if you're in the room, that I'm not doing any meetings tomorrow. And I want to just like take a moment to like sort of celebrate that. Do you ever do that? Yeah, I think it's dead important to take a moment to actually just like celebrate your wins and pat yourself on the back. Mm. And you know, it doesn't matter if it's personal. It doesn't matter if it's professional. Like we're all achieving amazing things every day. And it's so subjective to you and your journey. Like depending on where you are, it could just be like getting out of bed that day. Like if that is a fucking win for you, then take that win. (laughs) take that win but if it is doing something amazing like this Scott pat yourself on the back as well because too often in life we rush through just wanting that next thing craving that high that comes with it but if you're always in such a rush you're never going to take a moment to enjoy anything and you're never going to be truly happy I think lockdown taught me a lot Mm. did it teach you to go a bit slower hopefully yeah it did I love lockdown because that's the year that I went sober so literally I didn't have to say no to going out or anything like that (laughs) it was it was just amazing all my mates got pregnant it was the best year for them to get pregnant because they didn't have to go out and drink you know Ah, okay smashed it really but but in in terms of like so I'm gonna I'm gonna take something from Kate Cocker actually she's in the building big shout out to Kate Cocker my um presenter coach and also the, the lady behind this podcast purposeful pods um but kate um asked people so before you mentioned all the things that that you um you're not good at so you say you're not kind you all these different things right i'm gonna ask you now what do you actually feel like you are good at what would you say one of your best qualities because we never really take the moment to do that oh god um Oh, you've made me nervous. Do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> People feel really uncomfortable saying what they're good at. Okay, hang on. I'm bright. I am bright. You I, are sharp. Yeah, you are so I? quick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you are, though. You're so quick. Like, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm quite bright. Um, I like might struggle with, you know, day-to-day kindness, patience, and all the rest of it, but I really want other people to succeed. Like, and I don't just mean, like, how for Instagram, like, throw people a like or whatever. I mean, when I say other people are doing well, reaching their goals, like, looking wicked on holiday, getting engaged, like, getting that job, I genuinely buzz. Because there is enough success for everybody, and I think sometimes people forget that. Yeah. So I'm, I think those are two pretty nice qualities. Yeah, like, even before you, she just came up to me and mentioned you girls, Sarah, Amy and Pemby from Food Thought, saying, your members, they're all, like... They're really like so happy and they're smashing the goals and it's amazing to see. And you were like taking a lot of like sort of pride in that, which is obviously clear. Um, but you know what, guys, I'm going to throw it into the audience now. I think it's a good time. The first question from the audience is, you both have a lot of success in a fast paced life, but now you both find happiness in the calm. Do you struggle to find balance between both lifestyles? I know what you mean. It can be like in a bit of an adjustment and in particular when me life was really fast-paced professionally I felt like my personal life probably wasn't as developed you know um but now luckily I found like someone I love to share my life with I've got the best dog called Milo he's great um and I feel like my relationship with my family's good as well so yeah my life might not be like winning the jungle and, and all the rest of it like at the moment, but I feel like I'm able to enjoy the slower pace of life because I've got people worth sharing it with. Um, and also, I am still always trying to push myself. So it's just, again, back to Scott's point, finding the balance. Yeah, for me, I'll be honest with you, I don't have the answer. Like, And I think that's probably one of my biggest qualities, and that's why I've got this podcast, because I'm trying to put it out there to the world that I don't have all the answers, and I'm learning as I go. Um, but I'm really torn at the moment. It's a big problem that I've got where I'm torn between... Like, I want to be off my phone, right? So I've got two phones. I put them away, and literally within 25 minutes, I'm going back upstairs to check my phone. 
And I've even bought a book called How to Break Up Your Phone. And I'm starting to think I'm a workaholic or whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but I'm trying to find that balance because when I am just walking around with my dog on my own, I'm so happy, so happy. And there's times when I, I say, um, even in the build up to this, even though I love it, I'm here now, I love it. And, but there's times when I'm going, should I just disappear and sit on the beach for like three months in Thailand? You know, like, look, I've never done that. Um, because I would be bit, bored after a week. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't have all the answers yet. And I'm always trying to find that, that middle point. And I think that's, that's, all I can really say about that, but good question, Reza. Question two from the audience. This next question was about Vicky's transparency on social media during her fertility journey and if she found it difficult to share. That's such a good question. Thank you. Um, I think there's loads of pressure on women to um, have it all, you know, to like be glamorous and gorgeous and be successful and all the rest of it, but also still have a family by the time they're 30. It's impossible. It's impossible to be it all. And, um, I considered myself a failure personally because up until very recently I couldn't find anyone to love us. That's the truth, you know. So that's why I didn't have kids because there was nobody who... There was nobody to have kids with for me, you know. Um, And I knew that I could put myself through an unhealthy relationship but I knew I could not put my children through one. Um, So for a really long time I just thought probably being a mother was not part of my journey and then I met Erkan I'm so sorry if I've made anyone cry um and I met Erkan and like just when it felt like oh my god I'm gonna have all the things I wanted you get told like you're fucking too old to have all the things you wanted hon you know and the the biological body clock thing is such a pressure for women so I went and got all my fertility checked out and quite luckily for me I'm in a great place for egg retrieval it's not always the same way for so many women, you know. I would urge anybody in this, like, listening today to the podcast here, whatever, who is wants to have children but is aware that they are getting older to just get your fertility checked out. Find out where you're at, you know. It, knowledge is absolutely power in that respect. Um, and that's why I was honest. I was honest because it's not fair that men can have fun for like 50 60 years and then go have kids with a 21 year old when they're 65 (laughs) it's weird but they're allowed to do it right it's I I spoke out because we should be able to have the career and we should be able to have the girls holidays but we should also be able to have the kids and have the life and the lovely person who loves us so I want women to take control of their fertility journeys and if that means freezing your eggs if that means adopting, if that means like going through a different avenue and exploring something that isn't conventional, then do that for you. And I wish you the best of luck with your fertility journey as well. Thank you. Just for the record, Vic, I always loved you. (laughs) (laughs) The feeling is mutual. (laughs) Question three. This next question was from my mum, Gail. She expressed how easy it is to be distracted by scrolling through social media. She absolutely loves it. And asked us how we deal with the addictiveness of Instagram. For, for the benefit you guys that don't know, my mum, like, my mum's obs- obsessed with followers. She's like, <laughs> she's like, Scott, I'm 200 off, 23,000. <laughs> like, I say, follow- say mum, how many followers you got? She goes, I've got, tw- uh, I've got 22,982. <laughs> It's so easily done, though. I think it's so addictive. I've already got my followers through them, not myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but do you know what I did? 
Do you know what I did recently? I actually, and Ryan did it first. I unfollowed everyone because I followed 4,000. I know, I was fuming. I, I, <laughs> I thought, everyone. I'm giving up a Hindu and I'm coming to do his event and he's unfollowed me. I was livid. <laughs> no, but literally, I followed 4,000 people like from all over the years of like, like people I don't even know anymore or anything else. And, and, I, and I'm watching these people in Dubai, like, do you know what I mean? Like my barber from 2009. <laughs> and... And do you know what I mean? And it's like, why am I watching these people? And it's not that I don't love everyone, but I kind of had to have that bit of a detox to then obviously I'm going to start following back the people that I care about and, and who inspire me. But yeah, it, it's so difficult pulling away from that. And it's it, just like what Vicky said, you wake up in the morning feeling great and then you get on that Instagram and you feel shit with it. Where do I sign the petition for you to have your own podcast? <laughs> no, but I get it though, but that's the one thing that I try not to do and I pretty much implement it into my daily routine now. I don't check my phone before. I've read, I've meditated, I've journaled. Power hour. And literally, I, I can be in on a bank holiday, right? Literally, I've had the best week. I'm saying, I'm not going out all weekend and I'll be walk, warmed up. I'm going to make a great time. I'll jump on literally Instagram for two minutes and I'll be ringing Brad going, Brad, right, are we going out tonight? He's like, mate, I thought you had a quiet one. I went, listen to it. Everyone's out. Do you know what I mean? But it's so easy. It is. It gets be, into your head. Yeah. But how, yeah, so how do you like sort of, oh, this is a good question. So obviously you have been, I mean, for me as a Love Islander, right, I've had to get used to every year the next sort of hot property coming through and everything else. But you are one of the, well, the original reality star and you've had to watch everyone come up through the ranks, come after your position. Take, how do you stay composed in that situation? How do you keep your mental health strong? Um, so for ages, every time people used to go into the jungle, I'd get really upset, especially because like the year after me, like Scarlett Moffat went in <laughs> and she's just like funny, dark haired, northern bird. And I was like, give me a year at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I love Scarlett. And like, I think it just came with sort of understanding that actually like there's enough success for everybody. Mm. And you are the only Scott Thomas mm. and I'm the only Vicky Patterson, you know? Only Brad Howard. Like, there's he's got a lot of mentions today, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Neil, but can, I can't remember. Can we cut this out? <laughs> <laughs> I can't pronounce it. So no, like I think over the years I've become better at dealing with that. Like I wasn't always as evolved, you know. I definitely had my flashes of jealousy, but it's low vibration emotion. If you're jealous, if you're envious, you're only going to attract more of that. If you're supportive, if you're kind, if you're like really happy for others, life is going to give you abundance back. So now I've sort of like maneuvered myself as almost like a bit of a mentor for these people. So like if it's Faye from Love Island or if it's like Paige from Love Island or whoever, Chloe Brock from Towie, whoever comes on my podcast, whoever I meet at an event, I always offer my Mm-hmm. advice I say to them like if you ever want to listen if you ever want someone to talk to someone who's been through with someone who understands you know where I am I'm only on the other side of a phone and I get it I get what you're going through and I want you to succeed because when strong beautiful women succeed everybody succeeds it's the best And do you know what? I feel like we're going to end it on such a positive note then and a round of applause. But um, Vicky, I just want to say thank you. First of all, you travelled like, from the other side of the country to be here today and you've done everything that was expected. You've made everyone's day. You've been honest. You've been open and you've uh, been a supporter of me, which you've always have been. So I'm really grateful and um, I love you lots. I love you. Thank you for having us.
what an experience that was with a live audience. Great atmosphere, great questions, and honestly, I just loved every moment. And Vicky is just, she's just the best. She's, she's so honest, open, and raw, and it just shines through with everything that she does. And I've learned a lot from her, not just today, but over the years. So thank you so much, Vicky. And thank you to anyone who's been rating, reviewing, and following this podcast. It means the world. Please keep it coming. And don't forget to share any of your stories and tag me at scott.thomas on Instagram. But until next week, when I'll be joined by the incredible Catherine Tilsley, I will see you next week for another life lesson.